is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn hand off the middle, hit the backfield and drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stunts it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Lively discussion already. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Lots to talk about as ever. Got a new entrant into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, that one, happened. One basketball team is setting records, and the other basketball team is sending people spiraling into pessimism. Sputtering. We'll get to that. Heisman Trophy handed out tonight. We're going to oh, Mike Schaefer. Wow. Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7 will join us as well. The, a fairly significant amount of, of activity in the, the recruiting game and in the transfer portal game very, right now. Very different from last year. I think last year everyone was playing catch-up. Oh, and, yeah. And, and running around everywhere and trying to figure out who's coming and who isn't coming and, and who's committing and who isn't committing and yeah. where are they visiting. And who are the guys on my roster? And who, are the, who, who is even going to be on this team? Now it's a very deliberal, deliberate and cerebral mm-hmm. Type of process, which has been has been interesting and will be interesting to talk to Mike about because he is such a good source when it comes to that stuff. Yes, uh, but we are going to start this morning with the best team on campus, and that's Nebraska volleyball. They are into the Elite Eight, swept Georgia Tech fairly easily. <laughs> that was uh, that was a dominant performance on Thursday. I uh, hope you took work off. Hope you got the kids out of school. Whatever you did to watch it, it was uh, it was a complete performance, which was nice to see after kind of an uneven performance the first weekend. Uh, you, you didn't have the just the level of consistency that you would have liked to see out of John Cook's team. But man, Thursday they they brought it and it was over quick. <laughs> Georgia Tech was not up for the moment at Devaney, no. and, uh, and and Nebraska's on to the Elite Eight. They were playing Georgia Tech, and I think a lot of people were like, this is the team that beat Florida? Like they, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how dominant Nebraska was. I, I, I think this is kind of the, um, the big quote everyone was taking away from Coach Cook's press conference was, they get better when the lights get brighter. Yeah, when the pressure is turned on, they are they are going to up it to another level, and that they like uh, the lights, they like the pressure. I think I believe that, I believe that, and I think that's because the reason I believe it is first off the the problems that they've had in the third set, kind of all year. If they've ever dropped the set often, it's the third one, and typically it's because they're up two, and and they might let off the gas a little. Right. And the pressure isn't as high. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, now we're, if they win this next set, we're going to five. And this could be anything can happen in the fifth set. They need to make thing. themselves bleed a little to feel alive. It, it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And same thing with um, LIU. Yeah. They play LIU. They, they, they absolutely dominate them in the first two sets. Then the third set comes around, and that was really, really competitive the entire time. They come back. I mean, they were down. They were down a lot of that. And then they came back. They tied it. 
won it. Look, I was talking to Steve Anderson, uh, our business guy here mm-hmm. at KLIN, and I said to him, I feel like the tournament starts at the Final Four. But at the same time, Cole, that's why you play the games, right? Yeah. You play the games for a reason. So I, I, Arkansas, I watched their game against Kentucky. They're a good team. Speaking of SEC teams, you didn't expect to lose. Exactly. I think everybody was counting on seeing Kentucky. Uh, oh, again. my God, I was. I hyped eight, up, 17, I, 18 match win streak going into yeah, that. I hyped them up so high to you yeah. on this show before yeah. we were here. Fit the five sets. Arkansas looked really, really good. They're going to need the, the players to play. I want to say this um, before you have anything to say. Allie Badenhorst. MVP yeah. of the year. MVP of the year for me. Uh, Lindsey Krause is one heck of a player. Mm-hmm. And I think going into the season, a lot of people were unsure where Allie's spot was on the court. I don't even think she really had a spot with Harper and Merritt, Beeson and, and, and Lindsey. Krause goes down. Allie Badenhorst not only steps up to the plate, but at times has been playing like the best outside hitter on the team. Yeah. And so shout out to her. Don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Stepped up to the occasion, playing great volleyball, and so just a testament to her and, and the attitude on the team. Yeah, and she's one of the she's one of the players on the team that's not up in lights, right? She's not one of the one mm. of the players who won a, po- a postseason award. She's not no. up for first team All American. Like no. she's she's back in the pecking order, and and would like you said may not even be playing in a role if not for Krause's injury. But right, like you said, has has had to step up. And, and be that good for Nebraska to be this good, and she's absolutely crushed it. She's a role player exceeding her role, and you love to see it. And any anytime, that's how championship teams are built. Championship teams are built off the people. Let me ask you something. Ask, Kobe, or ask uh, Shaquille O'Neal if they win those, those series without Robert Ory. Seriously. Yeah. A- a- ask them if they win those series without Trevor Ariza. You go and ask Rick LeBron- Fox. Yeah, you go yeah. and ask LeBron James if if they win in 2016 without Richard Jefferson. You go and ask or in 2011 the, or 12 or, or, without Ray Allen or without Ray Allen. Yeah. They don't. You need role players yeah. to play their roles, and when they exceed their roles, that's how they win. It's no coincidence. And here's a, <laughs> a deep dive. Boris Diaw. You know, there's no, you know, there's not a coincidence that Boris Diaw won all those championships with, with the Spurs, or why Sean Livingston was there with the Golden State Warriors their entire championship run. You need role players. Allie Batenhorse, and, and, and funny enough, Allie Batenhorse, I'm calling her a role player, would probably be the best outside hitter on maybe every single team in the country. Seriously, I mean, or, or close to it. So, is she's she's? I just want to give her her flowers because she deserves them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking at the rest of the bracket, so Creighton set five. I mean, they they really did push uh, Louisville to the edge, but couldn't quite get out of that one. Uh, Louisville Pitt is uh, the opposite uh, the opposite Elite Eight matchup that would meet the winner of Nebraska Arkansas in the Final Four. Texas Stanford was expected, uh, and then Wisconsin Oregon also expected. So it's it's one two everywhere else. And here in in Lincoln, it's one versus three with Arkansas getting the upset over Kentucky. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's gone as kind of as as uh, you would think it would. And if if I'm John Cook, I'm really hoping Pittsburgh wins because I don't think he uh, I don't think he would like to have to go up against Danny Buss, Boom Kelly in the Final Four. That's just me. Uh, but uh, that that would be a, that would be an interesting matchup God, to watch. Texas Stanford. It's going to be such a good match. That's at nine o'clock, though. That's ridiculous. That should be earlier. Yeah. So Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska, Arkansas, five o'clock. 
Louisville Pitt starts earlier. That one's a three, and then you got the one uh, Wisconsin Oregon seven, and yeah, Texas Stanford at nine. Should be good. Yeah. It's all should be good. Wisconsin Oregon that'll be a good match too. I know a lot of people will have their eyes on that one. Um, it, it, look, like I said, I feel like this tournament really begins in the final four. Mm. At the same time, you play the games for a reason. Arkansas is a good team. You never know. You never know. Should be a good one in Devaney. Um, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but Nebraska volleyball attendance. Do you hear about this? Oh, the total attendance, yeah. 259,000 people went to the Bob Devaney Sports Center this year to watch volleyball. They're the first that, sport to ever. That that counts Volleyball Day in Nebraska, doesn't it? <sighs> Ooh. I think I think I saw I saw that graphic and I saw that stat. It counts volleyball day in Nebraska in a home attendance in a single season. Home attendance, but it counts. Yeah, yeah, it counts Memorial. Yeah, Stadium. so well, still one hundred sixty thousand. Well, it's just one match in Memorial. Well, I mean, I still, mean, no, just, no, it's yeah. nothing to shake a stick 200, at. Two hundred fifty-five thousand nine hundred first women's sport ever to reach that mark in the NCAA. It's been a heck yeah. of a year for Nebraska oh, volleyball, yeah. and it really would be storybook if it ended with. A, a national championship. It's just at the same time, Sarah Franklin in in Madison is just not going to let that happen if she has anything to say. So yeah. should be entertaining. Let's go to basketball. We got one team riding a three game win streak. I I know we're going to have a lot of probably a loud conversation about Nebraska men's basketball. Let's get to the good stuff first, though. Yeah, Nebraska women's basketball killing it right now. Front row seat over there. I know I've been to all of them. <laughs> I've been to all of them. I went to the to the Florida uh, the Florida Atlantic game. Yep. They did not look good offensively. They sputtered. Yeah. They played incredible defense, though. Amy Williams has those uh, women just coached up so 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 well. Very great communication. Um, Georgia Tech. They looked kind of the same mm-hmm. in, in from the the offense kind of transferred from Florida. Uh, Atlantic over to Georgia Tech. They didn't look that good. Uh, that half-court shot to end the half was crazy. 15-point deficit. They came out. I think they made their first 11 shots in the second half. Yeah, how many points in the third quarter? It was, It was. I don't know. I think it was 26. Insane. It was ridiculous. Yeah. They couldn't miss. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I just kept calling <laughs> shots. It was great. I was yeah. announcing that game. And yeah. then they end up winning the game. A lot of people are like, Matt, that was your best game on TV. I'm like, it's the only game on TV that wasn't a 40-point blowout. <laughs> like it, was, it was actually competitive. And then I wrote for uh, the UNC-Wilmington game, yeah. and a lot of people knew that Wilmington wasn't great and it was going to be that kind of, you know, it was going to be a big win. Yeah. I don't think anyone thought the record-breaking night it, was, it, it ended up being. Jazz Shelley almost <laughs> had a triple-double in the first half. I'll say this about Jazz Shelley. Without hyperbole, the greatest passer I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Seriously. Yeah. The greatest passer I've ever seen. Okay. In person. She is incredible. They win that game. They play Michigan State. Hold on. They win that game 108 yeah. to 36. Crazy. Record win margin Crazy. in Division One game for Nebraska. The trip you said, like you said, Jazz Shelley almost a triple double in the first half. She got it, obviously, in the second half. First Nebraska men, man or woman, with Multiple triple doubles hey, as her, a Husker. Is her number retired? All re- like you mean already? Like or? at the end of it? Like at the end of it all? Did uh, she get retired? This is a great conversation. So uh, Jordan Hooper yeah. is getting her number retired, and she had. I mean, they they were still in the tournament, modest success. I I think I I would like for Jazz to end the season here and her career in the tournament. Okay. 
and that would that would certainly be helpful to go towards that legacy. But she's almost there. Like thousand, I mean, she's thousand, almost there. Thousand points, two triple doubles. I think she's got the most threes mm-hmm. in a game. Yeah. I don't know in career because she's only going to have three years here. Right. So it, she she's getting close. NCAA tournament appearance, WNIT Super Sixteen appearance. Yeah. Yeah, you probably need one more. Maybe you need one more NCAA tournament appearance. Probably maybe, maybe a win. Get, maybe get a dub. Maybe yeah. get a win. And then that's then you're but you're solidified, right? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's close. Yeah. It's close. And and the key is there, like she's she's got a good supporting cast. Like you can't do it on your own in those types of situations. Yeah, she's like got a pretty good supporting some, cast. Some sometimes if you're you know, extremely good, you can do it on your own, but she's got Alexis well, Markowski. She's now, got Natalie I mean, Potts has been awesome. Too. She she really has. She's come out of the gates really well. Um, they, they've got a good team, and, and Amy Williams. I mean, good coach. She's she's doing her. She's doing the job. Just, for, for all intents and purposes, she's a good coach. Yes. Okay. Men's basketball. Oh, I don't know if we have time. I don't in, think we have time. In a word, give me one word. Um, that's good. Unsettling. Oof. Oh, 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 that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, we're, we, we, yeah, like I said, we don't have time. We, we can't get to it right now, but no, I mean, uh, that I, is, that is the win or that win. That is the win. Jeez. Uh, that is the week that makes you kind of reconsider everything, all of it, like all of it. Like, what are we doing with the roster? What are we doing at head? Co- like, yeah, I, you, yeah. It was it was bad. Like obviously, it's not going to be determining the entire season necessarily because there's still a lot in front of them. But that was that was a four day stretch of just oh my god, what's happening? I'll give you two words: no continuity. It yeah. just I just don't see it. I think the first seven games they look like a team. These last two games they've looked like you know players just a collection of a yeah. collection of players yeah it was it was it was it, it's been bad yeah. it's might, been that bad might have to get Schaefer's take on uh, on the the hoops do you think he's been watching i think so yeah we he's part of the, he's part of the 24/7 hoops cast is he actually yeah he and oh, bc okay. do that oh yeah really yeah i know bc's a big basketball guy he's covering he's the beat writer for oh, him, yeah. Schaefer does the he co-hosts right. anyway we will get to Schaefer <laughs> about all of this and and obviously plenty of transfer portal and recruiting class talk right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning, KLIN Husker Hour. Big day for volleyball, obviously. We got the Elite Eight match at 5 o'clock. It's over at the Devaney Center. They're taking on. The three seed and then a Lincoln Regional Arkansas after they upset Kentucky. And tomorrow, it is a big game for the men's basketball program. They're taking on Michigan State. Every game at this point is a big game for the men's basketball program. It's a good point. I I, I was I was listening to a podcast of, of uh either twenty four seven or maybe sixteen twenty, our sister station Omaha. They, they were told oh, that this is these were big games or the, they were talking about the Creighton game. This is this is a huge opportunity and then Minnesota like, yeah, you're right. None of them are inconsequential. No. Because of the stakes, because of the expectations that were raised for this season. All of them are that important. You you can't afford to drop Another one, especially one, a chance when you get a team at home, a chance where you get a team 
who typically will improve and, and probably be a good win on the resume when it's all said and done, but right now is struggling in Michigan State. So, yeah, for this, for this game in particular, obviously, uh, it is super important to get. I, I will say that Nebraska, I think every, you know, last year everyone was like, well, you know, they had a, they had a terrible December, not that great of a November, but they really turned it around in January and February and like you still can have a good season. Sure. Even, but at the same time, yeah, they did all those things and they were the best team in the Big Ten to end the year yeah. in the regular season and they still didn't make the tournament. So, all of this stuff of like, well, you still can have a good season even if December doesn't go well for you. I'm not denying that. But if you want to make the tournament, you have to. And this team, we've heard it all year. Tournament. Tournament. We want to make the tournament. We want to win that game. We want to be, we, we want to stop, you know, uh, uh, the, the drought or not even drought, just like the, the non-existence of a tournament win. But you have to win these games in order to put yourself in a, in a, in a position to do that. And yeah. Minnesota is a bad loss. Oh, terrible. Like, a type of loss that if you were on the bubble, people will look at that and be like, eh. that like that is the type of loss that gets you off the bubble. It's the problem if you don't get enough like big wins. Like you missed your opportunity against Creighton, obviously. Um you're gonna have shots at Purdue and Wisconsin and Illinois and and other you know, other teams that start to rise in the Big Ten as the season goes along. They're going to need to get at least a couple, maybe three of those big swings. They're going to need to ho- knock some out of the park. Because if you don't, and your resume is just, eh, then that bad loss will count against you when you don't have any good wins to offset it. And that's the problem they had in 2018 when they were fourth in the Big Ten. The Big Ten was down, so to speak, and they didn't even make, they they didn't make, make the tournament. tournament. They didn't even host an IT game. So that was the problem. That team, they just didn't take advantage of any of it. They lost by one against Kansas. Their only big win was at Michigan against Michigan at home. They didn't get any of the big Big Ten teams uh, that, that they had a shot at other than Michigan because they were all on the road and they lost them all. Can't t- afford to miss any of those, those uh, opportunities now because that Creighton game went so terribly uh, and the Minnesota second half just, just turned completely on its head. I, but unlike that year... To which I have to, I, I mean, I learned a lot about that 2018 year when I came into this market and, and became a student and became, you know, in the media. But anyway, unlike that year, the Big Ten is not down this year at all. Purdue is good. Wisconsin's good. Northwestern is good. Illinois is good. Indiana's good. You're going to have your swings. You're going to have your shots. You're going to have your opportunities uh, to win big games, to boost your resume. Uh, if you go 500 in the Big Ten, you you might you might squeeze in. You think if you go if you go 500 in the Big Ten, maybe you yeah. might. I, I I think the narrative of the Big Ten is strong enough this year, as opposed to 2018. I, I think you're going to get the the benefit of the doubt with a few of those middle of the pack teams. Uh, well, here's the the biggest stretch of the year. Well, well, here's the thing. We don't even know. Because if they don't don't, win in December, there is no biggest stretch of the year. No. But let's hypothetically say, hey, they beat Michigan State. They're at least competitive with Kansas State. They pick up their two non-con wins against South Carolina State and North Dakota. Mm -hmm. They then play Indiana on January 3rd, Wisconsin on January 6th, Purdue on January 9th. That is a massive stretch of the year. If you could pick up two of those wins, that would be massive. Yeah. 
And then you got to take care of business down the stretch because you're still playing Northwestern. You still you play Northwestern twice. You're playing Wisconsin again. Like they get Penn State twice or just once? I think they, they might. They might be in they competition for once. Minnesota for worst team in the league. They get them once at home, 11 a.m. <laughs> 11 a.m. game, Saturday, oh February 17th. I love those 11 a.m. kickoffs. I mean, tip-offs. <laughs> but yeah, so can we talk about what happened on Wednesday as well? Because, and we we are uh, hopefully going to connect with uh, with Mike Schaefer here soon. Um, we we did see a good start, which we saw again. You know, following up the Creighton game, they had that big first half, and and it, hey, it went well for for most of it. Uh, through through halftime, he's seventeen point lead, fifteen at the break. Bryce Williams had seventeen on his own, but the the way they came out in the second half uh, and just they they could not compete whatsoever. It was it was very unsettling. It was very tough to watch. Casey missed all four of his shots in the second half. They were all three pointers. He only scored four points from the free throw line. Uh, it, it, Bryce Williams can go on stretches like that, but then was he just completely disappeared in the second half? And then Casey has to be more efficient. You, you can't have you can't have just one guy go off and then and then call it a game at halftime because you won't get out alive. So so that part of it is you, you can't you can't do it. So can I say something? Let's get you back in here. Yeah. Can I say something about? There it is. Casey Tominaga. Please do. I think I think they might have figured him out in the Big Ten. At least Minnesota did. They they certainly forced him uh, into more difficult shots. They they made him the focus and and made other guys beat him. And and if you don't have your rink masts and your your CJ Wilchers or Jamarcus Lawrence's, if they aren't hitting shots, then people you know teams across the league are going to do that. They're going to focus on him and they're going to take him away. Here's what here's what I mean by I think people figured him out. He had a great game. Against Creighton, eight like pretty good game, especially in the first half. Six of eight in the first half had that three pointer in the yeah. end, and then like everyone on that team had a not so great second half, but was I mean scored twenty points. He also had the tech right before. Yeah, that was oh my god, yeah. Kelly Pfeiffer masterclass there. I mean whatever. Anyway, so he still he had a good game against Creighton, yeah. but the shots he was making were tough. They were difficult shots yeah. that he had to put up. Like that three right before that whole, you know, bonanza at the end of the half, that was a hard shot. Yeah. And I don't think anymore you're going to see Casey just being able to put up a bunch of open shots and just being able to they are gonna face guard him. They are gonna ride his hip. They're gonna take him everywhere. They're gonna rough him up. They're gonna push him around. They're gonna push him to the limit. They're gonna try and get in his head. And it's it just has to come down to the fact that Casey's not that big. He's not that tall. He's not that strong. He's not a guy that you can just give him the ball and be like, Okay, push him off you. Put your shoulder into him. Yeah. Put your forearm into him. Create some space for yourself. In that in that way, can't do it, and it's not. It has nothing to do with skill or practice or anything like that. This has everything to do with, you know, he wasn't born with the height that his father has, and that's unfortunate and whatever. And what I mean by that is, he's still going to be a factor. He's still he's still a really good player in the Big Ten, but I don't think the the surprise factor and the shock factor with Casey Tomanaga is gone. Yeah, you're right. He is on the first page of everyone's scouting report. When you when they 
slap things in front of you in getting ready to play the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It's just a big old picture of Kasei Tomonaga. And it goes, we cannot let this guy score. And I was really concerned with how the team handled adversity against that Minnesota game. Because as soon as they started to inch back, they got out of their systems. They weren't playing with the same energy. At some point, Bryce Williams decided, oh, I'm just going to go and win this game for Nebraska. And you started to realize why the guy wasn't playing Power 5 ball a year ago. Bryce Williams deserves to play Power 5 ball. Bryce Williams is a starter in the Big Ten. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying he isn't. But he's just not a guy who can be like, oh, I'm going to go and win the game. I'm going to go and take over. And I don't think they have that. And so when they face adversity and they're up and all of a sudden they're down, they can't just give the ball to one guy. I mean, Boogie Coleman did it twice against Creighton where he took 35-foot threes early in the shot clock. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? He struggled early against Minnesota, and I don't think he ever saw the f- the floor again. Uh, I I think they should give Eli Rice his minutes. I liked how Rice played earlier in the year against Doan, against Lindenwood. He had a he had a okay game against Florida A and M, and then Gary came back, mm-hmm. and he kind of just lost all his minutes. He came in against Creighton. He played pretty well. He yep. looked good against Creighton. Yeah, I mean that's that's maybe a conversation to have too. Yeah, so just I mean to to put a bow on on men's basketball for now. Uh, obviously, y- you have to win this game tomorrow, otherwise the tailspin continues, and you need to get more contributions in games from guys at the same time. You can't just say, okay, Bryce is scoring seventeen and one half. We're we're good now. You know it, that it doesn't work like that. They can't just play twenty minutes and and make it out. And the way that other Big Ten coaching staffs are going to be able to adjust, Nebraska's got to be able to adjust on the fly. They showed against Minnesota on Wednesday they are not very good at adjusting on the fly, unfortunately. And that part part of that does come from, like we said last segment, they're they're more you know a bunch of pieces right now than than a put together puzzle. So. Until they mesh better, I think they're still going to continue to struggle in in terms of of second half adjustments, in game adjustments, because they just don't know as much about them about each other as some of the other rosters that that have had guys together for longer, and that that will continue to be a problem until it's not. And I don't know how long that's going to take if it gets solved at all. Yeah, the, the, just extremely an unsettling loss. The three pointers have been frustrating too. Yeah, two for twenty two against Creighton. Um, not so great against Minnesota, five of eighteen. At least they didn't take as many, but it's not good. It's not good, and they're in the Big Ten. They might be in the worst conference to try and figure all this out, <laughs> right? Because I'll tell you something right now about Michigan State. They might have struggled early, but to say that they're not well coached and they they don't have continuity is is false. Yeah, so they may be four and four, but uh, yeah, they're they're not going to be an easy out. No, there is no easy outs. You know what? If there was an easy out, it was, it was Minnesota. Minnesota. And they lost. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was it. Maybe Penn State. We'll see. All right. Uh, we are going to get to Mike Schaefer here right after this. Uh, more of the hoops, maybe, but uh, definitely heavy on the transfer talk uh, and the recruiting class as well. Right after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. And Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. We continue 
here on the Husker Hour. Hit a lot already. Volleyball, men's hoops. Need to get into the portal, though. We need to we need to transfer ourselves <laughs> to the land of college football and uh, roster construction and all those lovely things that Mike Schaefer covers over at Husker 24-7. And Schaefer joins us now. Schaefer, how are you this morning? I'm good. I apologize for the uh, the change in schedule, but I really wanted to give you guys an opportunity to talk more about Nebraska basketball after those last two games. I just feel like <laughs> that's the, uh, the thing that people want to discuss right now. You know, Schaefer, I thought for a second you were avoiding our, our Vikings and Bears conversation. Oh, you know, man. you no, dipped you're, out you're of... You're welcome. You, into <laughs> you're 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 you dipped out of last weekend. I thought, oh, he's avoiding it. He doesn't want to hear it. Look, I just want to say this: Josh Dobbs brought me a lot of joy a couple weekends ago, and I just want to thank you and thank your franchise for maybe making the worst defense I have ever seen in my entire life as a Bears fan look like the '85 Bears. You know, looking making making Montez Sweat look like Singletary. So I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I hope he keeps throwing picks. You know, is uh, do you know Josh Dobbs is an astronaut? I've never. Uh, fun fact, no one's ever heard of before. By the way, I don't know that he's actually an astronaut. I don't think he's ever actually worked for NASA, but uh, he you, did get a degree in rocket science. You know the, how how they? So that's the point. How they talk about it? You know, a degree in rocket science is is pretty impressive. It's you know, do we got to bring it up every two minutes? Yeah, I don't know. No, not for me. Did but, you, uh, yeah. Okay, since since we're into this, and I, I promise it'll be quick. Yeah. When you sent that tweet during the game, and you thought that uh, you know everything was going to be going great for you and and your boy Justin, and then he immediately had two turnovers. Yeah. What was your level of fear? I was moment? freaking the heck out. <laughs> I was so okay. I sent you that tweet. The next possession, he turned it over, and I'm like, oh, my God, the storm that is going to come from Schaefer if they don't pull this out. I was sweating bullets when Cairo hit that field goal. I was so happy. I thought of you immediately, by the way. I did think of you. Yeah, well, so you. so just, just to say that you're on my mind, and something that is on everyone's mind is the quarterback situation for Nebraska. Marcus Satterfield has been a, a lot like Carmen Sandiego. No one knows where the heck he is or what he's doing or who he's talking to. I know that you have a pretty... There's clues out there. There's clues out there. I know you have a, a pretty good scoop on it. So who are the visitors this week for Nebraska that, that we should be uh, concerned with and, and, and know of uh, in Lincoln? Yeah, you know, flight aware was a thing in those Carmen Sandiego games. That would end it pretty quickly. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, as to, to where Marcus Satterfield was, he made five stops uh, for 2024 transfer portal quarterbacks in the last week or so. I mean, they were in Kansas State, or excuse me, they were in Manhattan to see uh, Will Howard. Then they went out to, um, or went down to, to Waco for Blake Chapin, went up to East Lansing for Sam Levitt, went to Columbus for Kyle McCord, and finished in beautiful Pullman, Washington for Cam Ward. Uh, I got to say, I've said Howard, McCord, and Ward so many times. I made this joke previously, but it's like it's a law firm that's now just <laughs> stuck in my head. Uh, Not so, stuck in my yeah. head, too. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, those are those are the primary three. We saw Blake Chapin committed to Mississippi State um, last night, which to me is fine. He was probably the least exciting of the five names, at least uh, in my opinion out there. Sam Levitt is the most unlike the other four in that he would have multiple years of eligibility and you would be bringing him in without necessarily the idea that he was going to be your day one starting quarterback, but that he would be competing against the likes of Heinrich Harburg and Shovel Purdy and so-and-so. Uh, now, if you really want to get tinfoily with it, 
that they're able to land either, you know, Kyle McCord or Will Howard or Cam Ward, and then can convince a Sam Levitt to come in redshirt for a year and set himself up to be the quarterback of the future, uh, you know, that might also be on the table. But where we're at right now here on Saturday morning, I'm projecting Kyle McCord uh, to visit Nebraska early next week. And I think that one could get wrapped up. I think Nebraska is in a pretty good spot there. Uh, I think some of the quarterback dominoes are going to start falling on, say, Sunday. Um, you know, and I think because of that, Nebraska is going to be in a pretty good spot with Kyle McCord. And that's a, you know, to me, I rank these out on, on Husker 24-7. He ranked number one for me. And he went 11-1 and last year for Ohio State. I think with Nebraska's young wide receiver core, he could be very helpful in terms of Throwing them open and, and working with a veteran quarterback that has a quick release and an accurate arm and, and things of that nature. So I, I'm very intrigued by Kyle McCord, but I know everybody kind of has their favorites as you look at Will Howard and Sam Ward and Sam Levitt as well. And so all Husker fans who were around for the pre-2018 offseason finally get their wish. Nebraska gets the Ohio State transfer quarterback this time. Well, you know, they actually have to get going. Right, okay. right, right, right. That's that's a part of it, but yeah, I mean it. Uh, they did, but they didn't you know. famously, you know, famous. I don't know if you've heard about this. They didn't want Joe Burrow. Oh my God! So Can we stop it with that. <laughs> it is that is the most annoying Nebraska narrative. Out I don't there. disagree. I'm just it pointing is it so, out. So, oh, all right, same, same school. The level at which he plays into it too. When it's like Ohio State didn't want you either, buddy. Like, yeah, let's not forget about that. Nor did 120 other teams. Right. But you know, it's always Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the the rest of the 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 activity is surrounding you know guys coming out of high school, the traditional route, the twenty twenty four recruiting class, and there have been some recent decommitments. Uh, coaches have been out, kind of shoring up the rest of the class, the guys that are still in the boat. Uh, any, I guess, two questions: any cause for concern in terms of the guys that they've lost, and or. Uh, are there other targets that are still on the board, even though this class is already pretty large that, that Nebraska may try to bring in? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, if they've lost people, it's either by design or they're totally okay with it because the person isn't going to sign in December. I mean, their numbers are a mess. That's probably the biggest sort of... I'm intrigued to see how they're going to pull the rabbit out of the hat here because they have, I, I don't even know what the number is. I think it's close to 100. I mean, it's it's yeah, up there. They need to they need to basically get down at least twelve scholarships, I think. And then now the the part that's difficult here is that it's not inconceivable someone like Kyle McCord is coming to Nebraska and won't be on scholarship and he's on what I would call an NIL scholarship where they're gonna cover the tuition, they're gonna cover everything that's with it, and then he's gonna get money over the top of it, but he wouldn't count towards your scholarship limit. Uh there's guys in their class that are gonna be that way. So it's it's gonna be really hard to know exactly what number they land at, but they have so many of them, and I think you can only really get away with doing that uh, so many times to lengthen out your roster. So I I look at it where, you know, J.D. Crisp, I think they, they were intrigued by him. I think the baseball team was maybe even a little more intrigued. Uh, he was a two-way player. Um, but I, I just don't know that that one's a big loss. Carlin Jones a few weeks ago is because of the talent. I mean, obviously, he picked up USC and Alabama offers since then. But Nebraska just didn't feel like he was going to sign in December, and they cut him loose. And they just didn't have time to, to kind of play around with that. And they didn't, I think ultimately, they didn't think they were going to win the recruiting battle either. So rather than waste the time, they just moved on. And 
I think that's sort of where they're at. They have three more guys that I think are worth, you know, kind of keeping your radar on here. Amari Sanders, who already visited in June. I've got a crystal ball in for him for Nebraska. Uh, he'll make his announcement on signing day. He's got a top five that has Virginia, uh, Nebraska, like Miami, and a couple other schools as well. Uh, but I, it's really Nebraska, Virginia are the main two there. And then we're, we're also kind of keeping an eye on there's a lineman out of New Jersey. Uh, his first name's Mason. I, the last name I cannot remember for the life of me. I think he'll be visiting next weekend. Uh, either kind of intriguing, could be the replacement of, of what Carlin Jones was in the class. Got sort of an interesting backstory. He committed to, to Kent State, and then within hours of that commitment to Kent State, had picked up multiple Power 5 offers, decided to decommit from Kent State to take visits. He's at Rutgers this weekend. He'll be at Nebraska next weekend if he doesn't commit to Rutgers. So he's someone to keep an eye on. And then Lamar Radcliffe is a running back out of California. Uh, that we're tracking to see if they'll end up visiting Nebraska as well. They don't have a running back in this class. And, you know, as exciting as the quarterback portal following has been, whoever gets here as a quarterback is going to be looking very skeptically at that running back room, as they should, because they got to find somebody. I don't know if it's going to be a portal guy. I don't know. I don't think you're going to find a real big impact freshman right now. But I don't see how you can move forward with your running back room with Gabe Irvin, who has never been healthy for a full season. Ramir Johnson, who hasn't been healthy really for two seasons. He, and he was ineffective when he did play at times in 2022. Not that that's necessarily his fault. Uh, and then you have Emmett Johnson, who's nice, but I don't know that you can make the number one back in a Big Ten offense. So I'm very interested what they're going to do around that. Real quick, Schaefer, are you surprised or not surprised that there has been so few portal people who have jumped in the portal from Nebraska, considering the fact that everyone knows there's a boatload of guys that are going to be coming in, not only, uh, you know, just, just in general, just from high school recruiting and transfer portals. Like, are you surprised that only three of them so far, or I think three or four have declared to go in the portal? A little bit. I'm curious how much of it's going to be, you know, they're just guys that walk away from football, that they're not going into the portal, but we don't know. Like, there was a number of those guys that happened this summer. We're yeah. like, oh, this guy isn't on the roster anymore, and he didn't go into the portal. He's probably just a student now. So there's there's going to be some of that. They have decisions that need to be made from John Bullock and Bryce Benhart and Isaac Gifford. Uh, so there's still stuff to come, and then I think there's a fair amount of guys that are like, I just want to see where I'm at this spring. And yeah. so if I'm not told that I need to, to leave now, then I'm, I at least want to go through spring ball. And as hard as it is from the outside world to look in at it for a perpetual losing team the way that Nebraska has been the last seven years, I think for guys that have been there under both Scott Frost and now Matt Rule, I think they do really feel the energy of, of that. And I know that, you know, people can roll their eyes, and that's fine. And I, I would, too, if I was in their position. But I do think the culture has been – improved upon and I think guys really believe that they are close to flipping this and being part of something and you know nobody wants to be the guy that sold the apple stock before it went off and nobody really wants to get off the train before it's going to go where it's supposed to go and I think that I know where they're at and um there's going to be some tough decisions I think in the spring also too because if they get McCord I mean you really were one dependable quarterback away from potentially yeah. a nine win season well, and suddenly you look at your schedule for next year, and I know that Oregon's on it, and you've got USC and UCLA and, and I think Ohio State. But if you if you really look at it, a lot of those teams have been ravaged by the portal too. And quite frankly, USC and UCLA, I think, are going to struggle in their first run I agree. the Big Ten Conference. I don't know about Oregon as much, or Washington. It's going to depend a lot. They have, I think 
pretty good coaches and pretty good systems. But the two L.A. schools, I think they're going to get a rude awakening for what line plays like somewhere else in the country. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, um, we will, uh, of course, be paying attention to where all those Husker staff members are going. We'll keep track of Flight Tracker and whatnot. I hate Flight Tracker season. Do you hate it as much as I do, Schaefer? Uh, you know, it, it helps me with my job at times. It annoys me because then you have to put out fake fires, stuff like that. I mean, it's good and bad. I live with it, I guess. Fair just enough. Just like I live with you being a Bears fan. Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do. Well, I just live with you coming on my show, so I guess we're just going to have to live with things <laughs> that we don't really want, right? <laughs> that was well done. I'll I appreciate it. Hey, I, I also hate teams in the NFC North after... <laughs> After whatever happened in that Packers yeah, nobody, game. So. Nobody wants to hear you complain because yeah. if you can't beat the Packers, then, you know. The depressing people are talking. We you can just sit yeah. over there at the nice table. All right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Chafe, we appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks, as always. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. Mike Schaefer, there he goes. And there goes Marcus Satterfield somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll try to keep everybody uh, informed. Uh, more to come. More Husker Hour right after this here on KLIN. Urban San Diego. Check out to score this deal. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Mike Schaefer, Husker 24 7. Covers recruiting better than anyone in the market. And uh, if you missed that or uh, anything else on the show this morning, you can always. Find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search KLIN Husker Hour. Subscribe, download, listen. We appreciate it. I, my heart goes out to these recruiting guys who are they're in it right boots now. I to mean, the ground. It is writing all the time. It's crazy, and they're, I, they're I, trying I, to follow up with a whole bunch of leads. I and do some not of them envy them at all. I mean, they're on they're on their phones all day, calling people, trying to figure out. Most of it is just a fugazi, and it's just it's just <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I got a question for you, Mister Kolskuk and Holtz. That's me. Give me your ideal Nebraska quarterback transfer portal result. What is? What is the best thing, in your opinion, that could happen for Nebraska? Talking out of the out of the guys, or just like build a prototype? Because uh, I think Schaefer had the the, the ideal me, outcome. Give me what you want. What, what, give me give me either either or both. I mean, I don't think they get Cam Ward. I don't think. I think and honestly, I don't, I don't know that they would want Cam. He would be more like a you know freewheeling, swashbuckling like try to do it all himself type of guy, which necess- wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for this offense because I don't know what the pieces are going to be like around him. Yeah, that's a good point. But if you are of the mindset of, hey, we have young receivers who are going to take the next step. We think Thomas Fedoni can be a star. We think the running backs, if they have a competent pass game, they could really do some things with some lighter boxes. The offensive line can take the next step. Kyle McCord does not give you anything in the run game. Zero. Will Howard would be a little bit better in the in the in terms of the pass in terms of the run game, um, but I think Kyle McCord in terms of doing the things at the quarterback position, like that you absolutely did not have this year, and that can and can distribute it, is obviously understanding of the fishbowl at Nebraska, having come from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I think he's your ideal guy. I do because he's played in big games. He only lost one of them, and. 
that's against the number one team in the country. We 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 you know we we lost a little bit worse than that, a little bit, but slightly. It wasn't almost like a historical home loss. Yeah. the The problem is he was throwing to elite. At, I mean, he's throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. He actually went to high school with Marvin Harrison Jr. By the way, Kyle McCord did. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you have, I mean, you've seen what he can do with. Marvin Harrison Jr. with uh, their other wide receivers, uh, one of which is in the portal, Julian Fleming, who perhaps, also, who also perhaps maybe, could be a package deal. Yeah, maybe. So you don't know what the what the results could look like if he's not throwing to that type of talent, but he has the results. He has the Power 5 results. He has taken care of the football, unlike Jeff Sims. Uh, he has proved it in the passing game. And, and, and if you can also add to that a developmental guy like a Sam Levitt, who is pretty well highly rated out of high school in his own right, uh, but just doesn't have the experience uh, or the results. I think that's your ideal outcome. I got a question. Okay. Not even a question, more of a statement. I don't think we've seen Marcus Satterfield's offense. I do not think what we saw. Well, he wasn't running the option with Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I just don't. (laughs) No, 100% agree. We have not. There is no such thing as, well, in this Marcus Satterfield offense. That does not exist because Satterfield, and I give him way more credit and I don't think he gets enough credit, honestly. We always complain about certain coaches. One of the coaches that a lot of people complain about this with is your current offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. That Matt Nagy. Yeah. That coordinators have systems. And they try to have players who may not fit into those systems play in those systems. It's like that Apollo movie where they try and fit you know, the circle thing into the square hole. That Apollo movie? Yeah, Apollo 13. Apollo 13, yes. Where they try and do that. That's one of my favorite yes. All right, we got to fit this into this using that. Like right. That's, that's kind of what I compare coordinators who do that to. Yeah. Marcus Satterfield doesn't do that at all. He is like, we got players, and we're just going to do the things that they can do best, and we're going to roll with it. But I do think... That in a perfect world, Marcus Satterfield would like his offense to be have a, a good presence of pocket throwing, mm-hmm. where he's got a quarterback who can make just about any throw, and he's got athletic wide receivers who can stretch the field, which he has, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. And then he's also got a powerful run game with a fullback. And then you can throw in all your little cute jet sweeps and 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 you know, whatever Play all the action. little all the other yeah. little, you know, cutesy, you know, boutique stuff that you may do that everything sets up for you to do that, right? He hasn't been able to do that. Who is the guy that accomplishes that more than anyone? It's Kyle McCord. So anyone who's like, well, Kyle McCord isn't in the quarterback run game, I I, I don't think they want to have a quarterback. I think they just kind of were like, this is what It is a want, not a need. need. That's how I would characterize yeah, it. I don't think they're like, if you were to ask now, this probably would be have to be behind closed doors. But if you ask Rule and Satterfield, hey, are you married? To, to the quarterback run game? Like, are you married to that? Like, do you need that? They would probably tell you, no, we just did it because Sims is good at it. Harburg's good at it. Chubba could do it, too. Yeah, That's why we did it. So I think the ideal scenario, though, when Schaefer brought it up, you get one of these quarterbacks, Sam Levitt, already redshirted mm-hmm. at Michigan State. He only played four games. His camp decided to do that after Mel Tucker got fired, so he's got four years of eligibility. Yeah. You bring him in. You have a guy play for one year in Kyle McCord. He probably goes off to the NFL or whatever. Then you got Levitt for three years of eligibility. Or you got Chubba Purdy. You got Daniel Kalen, who's going to come Danny in. Kalen whoever their 2025 quarterback so, will be. They don't have a, a you know, Dylan Rayola or a Milrow or you know, a Arch Manning or a Ewers or you know, a young guy that you're waiting to come up and you're really excited is going to think you know going to be a superstar. But you got bolts in the chamber. 
And the more bullets you got, the more likely you are to hit the target you're looking for. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the picture. And and yeah, Schaefer said it. He could be visiting early this early this coming week, and then potentially a decision. You might be yeah. uh, you might be able to know who this uh, 2024 quarterback is within a few days. Here, Steve Sipple brought up something really well on on, on what he does. Uh, McCord didn't really have a recruiting process. As a he committed as a sophomore to the to Ohio State, he wants a recruiting process right now. So this might be maybe a longer term thing than than people are anticipating. But regardless, it's it's McCord season, portal season. Yeah, it's, it's McCord season. It's McCord season. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Matt Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. We're gonna be ra- back to wrap this thing up. Get you ready for the weekend right after this on the K Line Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you missed the uh, the announcement, pretty cool deal for a former Husker, former Lincoln High School grad, Alex Gordon going into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. He won pretty much every individual award you could win back in 2005, the last time Nebraska made the College World Series. Probably the best team in school history. Record for wins, I think 53 wins. Was Erstad on that team too? Or was that the year No, no. Before? Darren Erstad was a decade before that. Oh, okay. 1995. Gotcha. Who's better? Well, I mean, Alex Gordon, I think, was better in college. Yeah. Both of them had really good pro careers. Both, both of them won gold gloves. Both of them won World Series. Erstad hit 300. The uh, Los Angeles Angels. The only reason yeah. I know that is I do the Immaculate Grid all the time, and oh, anytime go. I got a I got an Angel, I go Erstad. And Erstad won Gold Gloves at two different positions. Not a lot of guys have done that. And, and Gordon played two different positions yeah. in the pros, but but uh, really excelled and left. Um, really cool deal to see him get that honor. Uh, great career with my team, the Kansas City Royals. Totally Love it. well deserving, man. Absolutely well deserving. Yeah. I mean, it's just and a good guy too. Someone around. He's always been around Nebraska baseball. Always been around the community. You always like to see it when when people who deserve it get their flowers. He got his flowers this week, you know, yeah. and, and and you'll get much more down the line as as his uh, Hall of Very Good player, no yeah. Hall of Famer, but Hall of Very Good, and that's one one heck of a career. So yeah, good good for Alex Gordon. Hey, it is Michigan State week for basketball. The women play them today at one o'clock. Uh, the men play them tomorrow, and uh, yeah, it, boy, the, the we talked about the men. They really need that win. Uh, Women's teams trending. They're 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 definitely getting uh, their feet underneath them after the uh, yet another Allison Widener injury and and really figuring out the rotation and uh, Jazz Shelley's on a heater so uh, it's it's great to see that they need big wins they just need I feel like with uh, this women's team it's a little bit two steps forward one step back yep. a lot they need to continue the momentum they built at PBA and bring it in yep. to East Lansing and volleyball they can make the final four today they are taking on Arkansas here in Lincoln at five o'clock. You can hear that over on B107.3 with John Baylor and Lauren Cook-West. Pre-game begins at 4. That's right. All right. That's set you up for the weekend. We will be back next weekend to talk about it all once again. Thanks to Mike Schaefer. Thanks to Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Have a great weekend, and go Big Red.